it's really sweet to come back around our Bibles at the beginning of every December and revisit and unpack those verses, those Old Testament prophecies and the nativity narrative and unpack them together. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Hello and welcome to the She Reads Truth podcast, where we open our Bibles and talk about the beauty, goodness, and truth that we find there. I'm your host, Rachel Myers. And I'm your other host, Amanda Bible-Williams. And Rachel... I have to tell you, this is my favorite episode that we've done so far. Which is funny because this is only our third episode. (laughs) We've done three episodes. But it should be. It's our our first Christmas episode. Also, we're getting possibly slightly better at this. Let's hope so. Let's Let's hope hope so. It's a great episode. We talked Charlie Brown. We did. We talked uh, Christmas ornaments, Christmas carols. Chickpeas. Christmas trees. Dragons. (laughs) So many things. We talked about a lot of Old Testament prophecy, and we talked a lot about Jesus, and I just think our listeners are going to love it. Listen, guys, this is going to be a great episode. Let's get to it. Amanda, this is our very first Advent episode. I have loved our last two episodes, but this I'm pumped for. Because we, first of all, we love this season. This is probably our favorite um, season that we experience with the She Reads Truth community. Yeah. But we have done podcasts about Advent, but never our own podcast yes. about Advent. So it's time. And this time it's times four. So we get to do four weeks in a row of talking about Advent and really digging deep. And as I like to say, the rabbit trails and deep dives. So we're yes. going to get to talk about all of those conversations we've been having since June, which is when we start planning our Advent reading plan and our book and all of those things since June. Well, May. I mean, it's been a while. It's been Christmas starts early at the She Reads Truth My kids were still in um, earlier grades than they are in now. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, But we've been having three quarters of a year worth of conversations about Advent and we have some really interesting ones. And so to get to revisit some of those ideas with our community is really exciting. Yep. And I'm also excited because you and I both know, but it's good for those listening to us to also know that we we are not a, a two-woman show. We have a team that works with us in all the areas, editorial, creative, marketing, all the things. Shipping. Shipping. Our shipping team is second to none, everyone. They're wonderful. But all of these conversations that you're talking about, Rachel, our special guest has been a part of all of them. Yes. That's our content director, John Greco, is with us again. Welcome, John. Hello. Merry Christmas. <laughs> I, here's what I need you guys to know about John. Many things, but... the First and foremost, John is currently wearing a Charlie Brown Christmas t-shirt. As one does, because this is an Advent podcast. And I want you to know that this is not the first time I've seen John this year (laughs) in this t-shirt. No, I work for a planning meeting. In May. That's right. Yeah. That's Uh, right. It says, I'm going to describe the t-shirt to you. (laughs) You got Charlie Brown, and you got Snoopy, and you've got the classic Charlie Brown Christmas tree, and it just says good grief underneath. And we feel very good about this. I like it. Thanks, John. Thanks for dressing up. I feel regret that I didn't wear anything Christmassy, but that's okay. I'm wearing house slippers right now. Oh, perfect. That feels right. That feels Christmassy. Yeah. Okay. All right. So now that we know that we're wearing (laughs) slippers and Christmas t-shirts, here we go. Now that we've covered what everyone is wearing, let's talk about Advent. Uh, So Amanda, one of the biggest questions that we get in our emails and in Instagram, all the places... Is simply what is Advent? Not everybody knows what it is, or they're not used to that term. 
And so it feels like a really good place to start on our very first Advent episode. Amanda, what is Advent? What would you, how would you describe it? I would describe it as the season leading up to the celebration of the birth of Christ. So on the church calendar for centuries now, the church has celebrated or commemorated Advent as, um, first of all, it's a word that means arrival. Mm -hmm. And so it is um, the looking forward to the arrival of Jesus Christ. And so on the church calendar, it is the starts four Sundays before Christmas and goes up to Christmas Eve. And it traditionally is just a time of preparing mm-hmm. to celebrate the birth of Christ. Exactly. And so I how think do you maybe, prepare to celebrate? Right, how and also why, yeah. I think is a good question. Like, okay, now that we know that's what it is, but why do we take those four weeks leading up to Christmas to prepare? How would you answer that, John? So like, this was my first Advent where I was here for planning. Like I was here when we did mm-hmm. the Advent plan last year, but mm-hmm. but this time I got to be a part of all the kind of the un, the nuts and bolts and the underpinnings of how what goes into this plan. Got to really wear your t-shirt. Yeah, I got to wear my t-shirt. <laughs> I got to but but one of the things that like as we were working on this, I remember Rachel said to me early on, she said, you know, cuz I had written some things and and it was all past tense, you know, remember remember this about when Jesus came. And look back, looking back and she said, "No, no, no, we want to feel like we are we are with the Old Testament believers awaiting the coming of Christ. Yeah. And so it was like, oh yeah, you're right. It's not so it's not like play acting, but it is kind of just putting yourself in the as if Christmas on the calendar this year is the birth of Christ, right? And we are we are waiting for him to come. But we also do that with the sense of he has come and we're waiting for him to return. Yeah, so I, even though we're not waiting in the same in the exact same way as you know the believers in the Old Testament, we get to sort of sit in their shoes, walk in their shoes and go through the preparation for the first coming of Christ, even as we prepare for the second coming. Which Um, you could argue then that every day of our lives, every season of the church calendar, ordinary time, Lent, Advent, all of this is that season of anticipation of the arrival of Christ. So we're in a second Advent right now as well. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's a little bit, because we talked about this in our last episode, but a little bit of a broken record. Like part of the Christian life is living between the already and the not yet. And that's what Advent is. We're living Mm -hmm. between the period when when Christ first came and then we're awaiting his second coming. This is what we put in our book. We have a section in the She Reads Truth and the He Reads Truth book on what is Advent. And I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to kind of read the summary at the end. But it says, at Christmas, we don't just remember that Jesus came. We celebrate why he came. And as we do, we worship the living Savior who has promised to come again. This is the heart of Advent. So, like, just remembering that, like, it's not about Christmas morning, although we all anticipate, you know, the fun and all the things that we do as families. We love Christmas morning. Oh, we love Christmas morning (laughs) in our house. But it's celebrating the whole story, right? It's yeah. it's looking forward yeah. to Christ coming. It's celebrating why he came and what he accomplished. And it's looking forward to a day when he comes again. Mm-hmm. And I think because we are forgetful people, the reason, to answer my own question too, is the reason that it is the why behind why we do Advent is because we can very easily come upon Christmas Day and forget why we do all the things that we do around Christmas. Why is it such a big deal? And it can just become, you know, it's Jesus' birthday, which is great. Like it is, Mm -hmm. but the why of the Messiah is key to celebrating and to worshiping in view of his birth. Yeah. And for me, I don't know about you guys, the season of Advent 
or the um, tradition of Advent was new to me as an adult, probably in my early 30s. I'm still in my early 30s, let's be honest. (laughs) (laughs) I am not. Uh, It's fine. But it was not until I was an adult that that was something that we did. I didn't grow up celebrating Advent But it has been so neat as an adult to observe Advent. You know, we talk about what it is and we're talking about why we celebrate what we do as a community or as individuals apart from She Reads Truth as as the capital C church. We celebrate Advent because it gives us that daily rhythm of feeling the ache, of feeling that all is not right. And like John said, we put ourselves in the shoes of the Old Testament audience of Scripture, the waiting and not knowing how the Messiah would come and what the Messiah would do and even when, you know. And so feeling that ache, feeling that void, feeling that brokenness. I mean, we start in Genesis chapter 3 with the original sin and the curse and the first promise of the Messiah, which we'll talk about later today in this episode. Which doesn't feel super Christmassy. Doesn't. At first glance. (laughs) Adam and Eve is our first Christmas reading. Right, right. But it is because when we remember the why, when we remember why Jesus came and why we are so desperate for His coming, then when Christmas Day arrives, we are celebrating exactly. because our rescuer has come and he has come in a very unusual and dramatic fashion exactly. as a baby. And so now as an adult, as I celebrate the traditional format that the church uses to observe Advent, it's just been so rich. It's been so wonderful. And it's no longer been, well, here are all the things that need to happen before December 25th. But it it creates a true longing. In the same way when we do Lent, you know, we really feel our need for Jesus and our need for the cross. And in Advent, we feel that need for a Savior, for a Messiah, in a way that by Christmas morning, by the time we're opening our Bibles and reading Luke 2 with our kids, it is not the first time we've opened our Bibles in December. It is this like climax moment that feels like it overshadows everything else about Christmas Day this is a really big deal. And you can only feel that crescendo if you've started, you know, from the beginning, Adam and Eve. Right. Yeah, we do that in our house. We, ever since my my oldest was, um, you know, able to talk and kind of, you know, we could we could rehearse something with him and he would memorize it. We had him reading, uh, memorizing Luke 2, the passage, the same passage that Linus reads in, mm-hmm. in Charlie Brown Christmas. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and we did How it many so- times will we talk about Charlie Brown today? Let's oh, see. We're let's on two. Let's see. Um, but, you know, we did it kind of selfishly because it's just so cute when it's you hear so a, a two-year-old, you know, uh, telling you about the Christmas story. But one of the things that, like, strikes me about that is, you know, He's telling us the heart of Christmas. Like this is this is why we celebrate. But the older I get, the more I, I read scripture, the more I understand the story of redemption, the more Christmas means to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of the stuff I'm learning about, you know, random books of the Bible you wouldn't think are connected very much with Christmas at all. When I get to that passage in Luke, it just light bulbs go off. And mm-hmm. I say, This is yeah. so cool. I just I fall more in love with the story of Christmas every year. And so I'm just, I'm like, I hope that for my kids and we're going to start them off with Luke too. But yeah, I mean, it's just, it's one of those things where if you just, the more we dig into scripture, we realize like Jesus really is at the heart of everything and his birth is such an important part of the story. And as we live life and as we do get older and, and yes, maybe our understanding of scripture grows, but we also, we've just seen more and we know just how deep our sin goes and just how dark the brokenness of the world is and how much we do have the ache that you talked about, Rachel. Mm -hmm. 
it is helpful for me and healthy for me as a believer to really tune in to that ache during the Advent season so that the full meaning of Christ's birth is front of mind when we celebrate Christmas Eve and Christmas morning. Yes, exactly. And I think we mentioned last episode, this is our eighth Advent as a She Reads Truth community, which is special because we have, many of us have celebrated Advent together for eight years in a row, which is really special. And so throughout the year, we do a lot of different Bible reading plans. We do books of the Bible, we do the topics and those sorts of things. But with Advent, you know, there are only a couple of ways to do it. And we love that. It feels like, you know, that moment, Amanda, when you're decorating the Christmas tree and Mm -hmm. you're all together as a family and you bring out the ornaments and you... That's my favorite part. And you pull out one ornament and you recognize it and you remember it and it feels like, oh, it's Christmas. Yeah. And you pull out the next one and these ornaments have memories attached to them. They have stories. They do. And they're part of a story. So we keep our ornaments like all in one plastic bin and each individual ornament we'll keep in a bag and we'll write with a sharpie on just like a sandwich bag we really do we'll write well what it is so that it goes back in the right bag but who gave it to us and when or what memory it's attached to so you know we have all of our ornaments even like the first ornament for example that david and i bought after getting married we bought a cracker barrel as one does and it says you know the year and if we you know someone gifts us something or the kids make something or you know, someone gifted, uh, our friend Lindsay gifted me a a bottle of tears bottle last year when we were hoping to celebrate as a family of six, but Toby was still in the hospital. And so every ornament has a story and it feels when you use that analogy the first time, because we've talked about this before, that to revisit Advent scriptures feels like pulling ornaments out of a box and Mm -hmm. putting them on the tree. That feels exactly right to me because as time passes, you develop an affection. And believe me, I have tried to get new ornaments because I don't like a lot of chaos in my house. And I would really like just one year to get to have an all white Christmas tree. Christmas decorations aren't your favorite. It's not... I mean, for anyone who has been to my home, there is one color that is off limits. There will be no red in the Myers home. And so that's really tough to, to really police at Christmas time. Yeah, red is one of the top two colors at yeah. Christmas. No, silver and gold, John. Silver and gold. <laughs> and white. Yeah. No one forget white. Well, and so all I ever want is to just have an all white Christmas tree one year. All green, I think, would be super cool, too. Anything Beautiful. monochromatic, let's go for it. But my kids are adamant about getting all of the jingle jangle out of the same ornament box every year. And if I were a more sentimental person, I would also feel that way. So we did this last, not last year, two years ago. We did an all-white tree. And then I allowed them a tree in the basement with all of the family Christmas <laughs> ornaments on it. And it took all of two weeks for me to finally just cave and be like, listen, everyone can bring their ornaments upstairs. We may all have them. They came out of exile. The yes. ornaments were allowed. Oh, I like I'm it. the worst mom. You're not. You're not the worst mom. Okay, but so all that to say, yes. let's let's bring that let's back. Bring around. it all back around. We can do it. I think that that's the thing about Advent and Advent scriptures, and as a community, it's really sweet to come back around our Bibles at the beginning of every December as a whole community who have done this together year after year, and revisit and unpack those verses, those Old Testament prophecies, and the nativity narrative and unpack them together and feel the history that we share, the history that the capital C church shares, 
and the history that you share with your families. It's just a really sweet thing. So every Advent, we do something a little bit different, but just about every other year, we try and go back to the very most traditional scriptures. And that's what we did this year. And it feels like home. And who needs an all-white Christmas tree anyway? I think you do. (laughs) Maybe you. you. Could I put one in my office? Yes, that's the perfect place. There it is. That's it. No one can put red in my office. So another thing that we like to do and have traditionally done at Cheery Truth is that we have titled our Advent plans um, using Christmas Carol lyrics. Yes. And so I don't have them in front of me, but what are we had um, Born as the King. Joy to the World. Last year was... Until the Son of God Appears. Yes. Yes. Oh, that was a good one. And this year is A Thrill of Hope from O Holy Night. Yeah. One of our favorite, I think if if I just asked for a show of hands in the office of what is your favorite Christmas hymn, I think that that would be one of the top. Who doesn't love A Holy Night? Here's the thing. It's so quotable. Like Mm -hmm. each line is just really, really poignant. And so I feel like I'm actually impressed that we waited eight years (laughs) to use A Thrill of Hope Mm -hmm. because it's something that we've, you know, it's been kind of dear to our heart. Rachel has a, an art print by her brother-in-law, yes, Caleb, that yes. says a thrill of hope. And so it's just always been... We'll link that. That'll be a good thing for people yes. to see. Oh, love yeah. It. Yeah. It's the print. Anyway, yeah. it's beautiful. But I feel like it just really encapsulates what we just talked about, mm-hmm. Advent and the waiting and the anticipation and the remembering of who God is and what He has done and what the coming of Christ really means. And it is, it is a thrill of hope yeah. in a weary world. I am weary mm-hmm. today. I am weary most days just of, we all carry a heavy load, right? So I'm so excited. It felt like the right time. I love it because I think of Christmas, right? We think of how you know, usually Christmas is depicted. And it's always these soft scenes with snow falling and a fire and a fire and all wonderful, good, awesome things. Right. But then to like juxtapose that with thrill, mm-hmm. right? It's a yeah. thrill of hope. And I think you know, thrill is like a roller coaster or like a, you know, adventure ride or something. But we think about it, it's the son of God mm-hmm. coming to earth and taking on flesh, being born of a virgin, being mm-hmm. a tiny baby placed in a manger. I mean, that's that's a big deal, folks. It's mm-hmm. not- I mean, it's the word I, I was about to say, that's crazy right. because it does, it feels that way. It feels like that's, that's exciting. Like that's, I, you know, it's even hard to articulate the right word. Mm-hmm. And I love the the phrase, a thrill of hope, because I think we can do the same thing with the word hope where, you know, if you say that like with Christmas, we can kind of, it can kind of be, oh, it's so dreamy and soft. And, and I think sometimes hope can feel very abstract, very far away, kind of faint and almost like a wish, like I wish this. And hope is different. And especially the hope of the gospel, it is living mm-hmm. and it is it is real and it is right now. And so I love the phrase, a thrill of hope. And I think back to probably when I was writing the editor's letter for the Advent book, and I kept wanting to capitalize hope, and I wanted to capitalize thrill too. And Amanda kept going in lowercase. That's just a lowercase thrill of hope because I understand that it's a feeling, the thrill of hope. But I kept thinking, no, it's Jesus, Jesus. Yeah. Like, and I just kept wanting to refer to him as like capital T, capital H, thrill of hope, which is why I love the line, probably the lesser quoted line from that hymn, "Fall on your knees." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that it. It also encompasses that feeling of thrill, that feeling of, you know, the weary world rejoicing, but the response is fall on your knees. It's worship. It's worship. And relief. And relief. And it's not stand up. 
It's not get up and do something. It is just fall on your knees in worship of the thrill of hope that has come. I love that. Hey guys, it's Katie from She Reads Truth. Did you know that for just $20 a month, you can get a new study book delivered right to your door? You'll never have to worry about missing a day in the Word with the She Reads Truth subscription box. There are also tons of fun perks for subscribers, like a complimentary app subscription, free gifts, and early access to our biggest online sales. It's simple. Sign up once and have a plan to read God's Word every day of the year. Discover more about the She Reads Truth subscription box at shopshereadstruth.com. That's shopshereadstruth.com. So when we do these traditional Advent scriptures, and you said, Rachel, we start in Genesis 3 with the fall, and then we continue to um, to sort of make our way through the Old Testament, I want to know what that would have been like. Like, you know, John talked about putting ourselves in the shoes of the Old Testament audience. So what would that have been like for them? So when we think about these Old Testament scriptures, like you said before, it's not—nobody reads Genesis 3 and goes, Jingle Bells, Christmas, this is—you know, nobody right. feels Christmassy after reading that. But, you know— But it, what if we put a snowy picture next to the scripture in the book? Maybe that would help. Then maybe that helps. Um, There's a clue. But, no, it's—the whole Bible is pointing to Jesus in one form or another— and what we see in Genesis is it's called the you know the first gospel, the proto evangelion, or proto euangelion. Let me say it correctly. Euangelion. Uh, and there's probably not a French accent. When you say no, that. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it. You so, let me let me just read it. So I'm just going to read it. So it's Genesis three fifteen, and this is God pronouncing sentence, right? And he's he's talking to the serpent, and he says, uh, "I'll start at fourteen. The Lord God said to the serpent." Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. Feeling Christmassy yet? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And then he says, I will, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. And so we, we read that you know, as 21st century Christians and think, oh, it's Jesus. He's talking about Jesus. But, you know, if you put yourself in the shoes of somebody, you know, an early Israelite reading, reading that or hearing that read, and, you know, you're thinking, well, okay, well, who was, who was the offspring of the woman? Well, it was Cain, right? Cain and Abel, or Seth. And, and that's, not, that's not really what happens. So it becomes this mystery. Who is this, who is this offspring? When is he going to come? And what does it mean that he'll crush the serpent's head? One of my new favorite verses is from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse Eight. Well, I'll start at verse 7. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom from God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. I love that. Okay, when you read that to us the other day, I can't remember what meeting it was, you read that to us and I was like, mm-mm, that's not... In-. Like, I've read First Corinthians before, but somehow I've never noticed that passage. It's so revealing. It feels... It feels very revealing yeah. and interesting. So, you know, you, you if you read like apologetics books or books where people are, you know, defending the Bible, they'll often point to the Old Testament and say, see all these prophecies about Jesus? This this proves, you know, the authenticity of the message because all of these things are pointing to Jesus. Jesus fulfilled them all. But if you take them apart one at a time, it doesn't always seem that way. Like, I, I don't know that I would read Genesis 3 and go, oh, yeah, clearly this is Jesus, Right. There's no literal scene where Jesus crushes a serpent's head. Yeah. You know, it's hard to know where that comes in. But what this what Paul is saying in First Corinthians is, 
you know, the Old Testament was written, the mysteries of God were written in such a way that mystery continues. Because if, it, if there wasn't that mystery, if we could put the pieces together really easily, the rulers of this age would not have crucified the Lord. So in other words, if they had known God's plan, they would have tried to stop it. I mean, you sort of get wow. this a little bit in, in, in the Christmas story, right? With mm-hmm. Herod, and he hears that there's a, a king born in Bethlehem, and what is the first thing he does? Try to stop him, right? He sends people to go kill all the babies two years old and under. Which, of course, we know no one can thwart God's purposes, but I, I understand what the scripture is saying, that people would have tried. Right. And so this is in the Old Testament, these pieces that we look back and put together, they're painting a picture, they're they're putting together a mosaic of of who Jesus is and who he will be. But each piece on its own just gives us one slice of that. It feels like putting a puzzle together face down. Right. Where you're like, okay, I can see how these kind of fit, but I don't see what picture they're making. Right. And it's, we can look back, you know, with, with 2020 hindsight and kind of put the pieces together really well and go, see, clearly, clearly this is what's happening. Yeah. Um, But if you think about like all the prophecies about the second coming of Christ, there's no end to the debates there, right? right? We don't know how those pieces fit together. And I imagine it was like that for Old Testament believers awaiting the first coming of, of Christ. They had the pieces and there were debates about how it would play out. And so like, part of what I love about Advent as we get to these scriptures is to read them you know, one at a time and, and put yourself in the shoes of an Old Testament Israelite and just focus on what that scripture is saying. So for instance, that scripture in Genesis that we just read, talks about this descendant, this offspring of the woman who will bruise the serpent's head. Some translations say crush the serpent's head. And what does that mean? What does that, what does that mean uh, to somebody who's living, you know, maybe in the time of Moses or maybe during the exile and is awaiting uh, this coming Messiah? And so we have the benefit of an inspired commentary in the Old Testament. It's yeah. called the New Testament. <laughs> and so like we can look and see, kind of put the pieces together a little bit, but focus on that one aspect. And so I want to like, again, just flip over uh, a little bit to Hebrews. Chapter two, I'm looking at verse 14. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. And it's really interesting here because the author of Hebrews is tying this to the incarnation, right? He says that he himself likewise partook of the same things, uh, flesh and blood, to destroy the works of the devil. John will say in First John that that's why Jesus came, to destroy the works of the devil. And going back to that Corinthians verse, the, the Hebrews verse just said through death. So in the Corinthians verse, had they known right. that the death was part of the victory, they would never have put him to death. Right, exactly. And so like, this is just comes back to like, when we think of Christmas, it's really hard to do it without also thinking of Easter. Yeah. I mean, they're, yeah. They're, they're tied. I mean, that's why Jesus came, right? Jesus came to die. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to, we don't want to make the mistake of ignoring everything he did during his earthly life and just mm-hmm. skipping from, you know, the birth to the death. But it's hard to understand the incarnation without also understanding the crucifixion. But what I wanted to like, as we're thinking about how we live this out, there's one more verse I want to jump to, and it's in the book of Romans. I like this. I feel like you're connecting threads. We're making like a tapestry Well, I'm here. trying, you know, we try to do that in our, in our reading plans, so it just seems, seems right to do here. <laughs> but this is Paul, and he's kind of signing off to the, to the church at Rome, and he says, this is uh, chapter 16, verse 20, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. 
the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. So Wait, under whose feet? Under our feet, under the Roman Christian's feet, under wow. believer's feet. Yeah, so it's become something that as we join Christ, we are part of that head crushing. It becomes something where we look forward, because this is one of those things where like, you know, Genesis 3 is pointing to the coming of Christ, but that work of Christ is wow. already and not yet. He's died to take care of the works of the devil that we just read in Hebrews. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we're still waiting for that head to be crushed. And, you know, Paul has this thing where he's telling us we're a part of that. Our work in this world, what we're doing in Christ as the church is part of that. And Jesus secured that victory, right? That's right. But what comes to mind is also, I think also in Corinthians, we'll throw it in the show notes, but the the verse that says the last enemy to be destroyed is death. So it has been destroyed and it is being destroyed. Yeah. And so at Advent, right, we're going back to that Genesis 3.15, that verse. Now with all of that kind of in our heads, thinking through the coming of Christ, he goes, okay, well, I'm struggling with sin. I'm struggling with my own mortality. I, you know, we've lost people that we love. And all of that, the works of Satan, sin and death, Jesus came to destroy this is this is why hope is so thrilling because yes. we're looking forward we are we are anticipating not only the first coming of Christ as we step into those shoes but we're also looking forward to the second coming of Christ when the last enemy to just be destroyed will be yes. death this makes me so excited because our family has a tradition at Easter time that makes I kind of want to do it now at Christmas time too so at Easter my my brother-in-law is an artist and so and he's also just really smart and knows his Bible and um, loves the Lord and at Easter time for us, he draws on a huge piece of paper. He'll draw a dragon for us or a serpent every Easter Sunday. And so one of the activities for the children on Easter Sunday while we're preparing the meal is stomping the dragon. We stomp the dragon to celebrate that death has been destroyed and that the, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Love and so that. actually at their church, they actually um, had a rug commissioned for their lobby. So as you walk out and it, it gets rolled out on Easter Sunday. And so as everyone exits the Easter service, they're stomping the dragon on their way out, which feels that. like That's the awesome. coolest victory. Another idea for his shop. We're just Really going to stock up his episode. But that makes me want to do that for Christmas, too. I mean, I don't know if that's... Listen, if I won't allow red in the home, then maybe we'll let a dragon rug make its (laughs) way in. I love it. But you're right. I mean, Christmas morning, it is... John, you said Jesus came to die. That's why he came. And And he came to die for the victory over death. Right. And hope is thrilling because death is heavy and real, and Mm -hmm. it affects us. And not just in physical ways, but in all the ways, in spiritual ways, and emotional ways. Like, the heaviness of this life is real, but so is the hope of Christ. And that's what we're doing. That's what I hope that I hope Mm -hmm. (laughs) that our listeners will also be our readers with us as we are taking a walk through these traditional Advent scriptures. Which is why this first week of Advent is so special, because we're going to, as a community, if you're listening to this in real time with us, we're going to read about God's covenant with Abraham. We're going to read about how Jesus is the root and the descendant of David, how he is a redeemer from Bethlehem. All of those promises, all of those prophecies, they make sense right now to us, more or less, and they may not have then. And we have this rich benefit of being the people between two advents. And so this week, as you read with us, as you open your Bibles, think about not just what it means to you now in 2019, 
But remember the ache that they felt and the waiting and the uncertainty and how thrilling it would have been even for the shepherds when the angels announced the birth of Jesus, that God with us. This was the thing that they had been waiting for since the beginning of time, since the garden. Born unto them, unto the lowly shepherds, right? Unto us. And if we also, if you listening also are feeling an ache, you're in the right place. Yeah. Like this is your month, you know, like this is the time when we get to remember that that is not unique to you. Your aches are unique, Mm -hmm. but the ache of humanity is not. Yeah. And it's why Jesus came. A is for Advent and A is for ache. I mean, honestly, I know that's silly and it's for the awaiting and the arrival, but that's why this season is really for everyone. Jesus came for everyone. I mean, we know the scriptures that say, you know, I didn't come for the well, I came for the sick. That's all of us. We are the weary world. We are the weak and wounded, sick and sore. I mean, here we all are linking arms in the same camp, in the same need, in the same waiting for Jesus to come. And so it's really sweet to spend, especially these early weeks of the Advent season, really kind of putting ourselves First of all, in the place of the Old Testament audience, and second, in the place that we are right now, knowing that we have the assurance that Jesus did come, He did die, and He did have victory over death. Okay, so that's Advent. That's the first week. Next week, we'll see you again, and we're going to talk about what it means that God is with us, that Emmanuel idea, and we're also going to talk about some other things. But until then, I want to talk about a couple more Christmas carols. I mean, please, let's okay. talk about Christmas so carols. what you may or may not know, Amanda, I asked you a couple days ago to send me a list of some of your favorite Christmas carols, and you didn't know what I was going to do with that. But, I'm excited. Um, did you one, have prints made for me? I did. It, Excellent. I did not. Oh. Um, but one of the ones that you said was White Christmas. I love that song. Okay, tell us why. Okay. I have to think about it for a minute. I know, I'm putting you on the spot. Well, but you know, you just feel things for yeah. certain, certain pieces of music. Do you love music. it because of the movie? No, I do love the movie, but I don't love the song because of the movie. Does that make sense? No, sure. I love the movie. Is it because Rachel wants the white Christmas tree? Also, no, but I do love that about Rachel. Sure. I love the movie. I love that Rachel loves white Christmas. We're done guessing, Amanda. Okay, thank you. Um, I think it's just one of the songs that makes me, it stirs up the chain of memory of of Christmas, all the good ones, you know, like all the good memories of Christmas because they're, you know, Christmas is complicated just like the rest of life. And they're not all like, not all the moments are merry, but just that song. I grew up in East Tennessee and usually it snowed um, in December and around Christmas and in early January. And so I think that it's partly that. Um, yeah. I also just really love the melody. I love music and I really love the melody. It feels like um, a very croony song. Yeah. Is croony a word? And it's not that difficult to sing. Yeah. So you can really just like belt it out yeah. and, and go for it. Unlike Oh Holy Night, which I also love, very difficult it's to sing. It's different. Yeah, Different. it's really just that one note. You right? can sing alone, a holy night. If people oh, aren't listening, sure. Yeah, I thought you meant right now. No, no, and no I was no. like, no, um, <laughs> pass, me. Yeah. pass. I don't want to do that. Okay, but what? What about? I don't know what you guys said. What were your answers, John? You had a couple. Well, okay, so for traditional like Christmas carols, it's "Go Tell It on the Mountain." Really? I love this about yeah. you. And I, here's the thing. I didn't know this until recently. Go Tell It on the Mountain was listed in the like 
doc for our Advent book as one of the carols that was going to be, you know, sheet music in the Advent book. Uh-huh. And I was like, we're not doing this one. I don't love this song. It doesn't feel Christmassy at all. And I nixed it. And I'm pretty sure John was in the room and he never said anything. John. And so then just, just recently, cried in the corner. I yeah, found out that that was like that. his favorite okay, Christmas. Tell us why. Yeah. You know, part of it is, Sorry about that, part John. Of it is just like, I love the melody. I love the way. And I, it's one of those songs that get covered a lot. So yeah. it's on a lot of my favorite Christmas records. But really, I just love the idea that it's it's all about the announcement. Jesus Christ is born, right? I mean, that's what you're telling on the mountain. And I just love the idea that, like, it just seems so... I imagine it's not... It's, it doesn't seem like, a, like an internal message. Like, sometimes we sing no. these, these these Christmas hymns, and there's a lot of scripture baked into them, and sort of it's, it's kind of code for believers. Like, you should know these verses. And this one, I just feel like it's like an invitation to everybody. You know, like, go tell it on the mountain. Jesus Christ is born. I like that. And that's that. good news for everybody. That it's it's for very everybody. jubilant. Yeah. Yeah. And it's very, like, we know when something good happens and you can't wait to just, like, announce it to all the people that you love, like, or to the internet, you yeah. know, whatever. Um, I love that. That's so great. So I would, next, that's next definitely year. Next year, year look for it in our Advent That's book. the dark horse of Christmas carols, I think. Yeah. What about you, Ray? Um, I don't know what this says about me, but I think one of my favorites is a deep track. I love In the Bleak Midwinter. Ooh. I know it's, I don't know what's, I don't know what that says about me, but I love some of the lines go, um, you know, what can I give him? Poor that I am. If I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. Oh, if, it's coming back to me now. I hadn't heard if this If I long were time. a wise man, I would do my part. And then how does it? Something, something, I'll give him my I'll heart. I'll give him my heart. Yes. It's so sweet. And we just, like, last week were watching the Christmas episode of The Crown where the king knows he's dying and, like, the Christmas carolers come into the cottage and they sing to him and he stands and sings with them. And he's singing, you know, what can I give him? And he knows this is his last Christmas, and it's it's oh, a whole emotional, wonderful moment. Tender, uh, which you know is he, honestly neither here nor there. I love the song apart from all of that, but it was especially sweet to hear that rendition and like in that story setting. But it's yeah. just a good song for you know, in the same way that in a thrill of hope or in Oh Holy Night, I like the fall on your knees line. Yeah. I think it's just. One of those moments of worship. It's what can I bring him? I'll just, the only thing that I have to offer him is my heart. I love that. I love that. Another one of my favorites is Angels from the Realms of Glory, which yes. is, is, I don't know if it's a deep track, but it's definitely not like if you Google like top 10 Christmas carols, it's not one of them. Sure. But I love it because it has that line, um, and I'm not, I'm going to misquote it, but essentially like, ye who sing creation story now proclaim Messiah's birth, which I love because we're just connecting Genesis oh, wow. with the Christmas story, and it's all one story. And I love that about carols because I what? think that Christmas carols help keep the full picture. Can we in have mind. our Advent book title next year come from that song? Ooh, good maybe. challenge. I keep, I keep going. Ooh, <laughs> and <that's> <laughs> sorry, <okay>. everybody. <laughs> I really like She's talking excited. about Christmas carols. Okay, speaking of Christmas carols, we do have a She Reads Truth Advent playlist, we which do. we will link to in the show notes. It's on Spotify, um, and we do a different one each year. And it's I feel super like in fun. years past, we've been either like only done one song per you know day of Advent in our reading plan, or you know we've kept it very tight and very you know strict like here are the the only songs that we will do and this year we let you know the whole team just kind of throw songs on there and a lot of them have to do with the readings that we're doing and some of them are just fun and so this is our favorite spotify playlist we've ever done it really is because with the team involved everything is better when our whole team is involved it's true before we go 
we always have to do some kind of beauty, goodness, and truth moment. So Amanda or John, what do you got? What is the beauty, goodness, or truth that you are seeing right now? So I have one. So just about an hour and a half ago, I walked into your house, Rachel, which is where we record, and I got hit in the face with this beautiful <laughs> smell that was you cooking. Yeah. You made, you made us lunch, and it was amazing. I was making frizzled chickpeas. Who, who does that? I don't I, know. I don't make frizzled chickpeas, well, but this, I did eat them. There's this cookbook. I'm glad you liked it. There's this cookbook that I pre-ordered like back in July, probably, and it just released this week. And I, uh, what's it even called? It's called Nothing Fancy. It's one of the editors of Bon Appetit, and it's the best cookbook. Opened it up last night, and I slacked everybody this morning. I was like, nobody bring lunch to my house. I'm cooking. And I had roasted chickens, and and we were all you have to twist our arms. Yeah, yes. no. When Rachel offers to cook, you you say thank you, please, and thank you. So I agree. I second John's goodness moment because it was fantastic. I I mean, it's not my recipe. It was a fantastic but meal. You executed was, it so beautifully. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. That was good. It was good. Yeah, and it's just fun to eat a meal together. I think sometimes cold cuts frizzled chickpeas, whatever it is. I mean, it can be cold cuts. I think yesterday we had chocolate-covered pretzels. So whatever we eat, it's delicious and it's good to be together. On that note, we're going to go. We're going to go snack. (laughs) We'll see you guys next time as we continue talking about Advent here on the She Reads Truth podcast. So we've got three more Advent episodes coming up one week after another. And so we'll be talking about all sorts of Christmas things. So be sure to subscribe. Uh, Leave a great review if you don't (laughs) mind. Tell your friends about it. And we'll be back next week. So until then, what do we like to say, Amanda? Keep opening your Bibles. Joy to the world. Let earth receive her key.